Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and poisoning cases from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 14. 14, yes. That's very 14. exciting. 14. I, I didn't have to think of the number there while I was talking. Well done. It was like, oh, well 14. Done. Oh, God. How are you, Nick? Yeah, right. General bumbling along. I don't know, is it just me, or things are starting to feel like they're getting back to a bit more going somewhere? <laughs> that, that says nothing. That's that's about as clear as Boris Johnson's uh, advice <laughs> to the public there. I think we're vaguely getting to something happening, maybe normal, what, yeah, yeah. good. So that's that's how I feel at the moment. <laughs> Very hot today as well. I'm, I'm dying, because I have to record this in a small... Not that hot. You know, it's, I have to record this in a small room in my house and i can't open the window because then there'll be bird and bird sound and my husband is downstairs rehearsing a play at least that's what he says he's doing he, he could just be lip syncing to his favorite song and i walked in and he went i'm rehearsing a play but so yeah i've got to close all the doors so there's no sound bleed of shakespeare into this so i'm hot it's i'm sweaty oh oh no i have to go into my smallest <laughs> studio room to record this yes some of us are sitting at their dining table because they've got nowhere else to do it well you've only yourself to blame nick this is true <laughs> i just haven't worked hard enough in my life i pay my bills pay the telephone bills no um no gratuitous nudity this week uh was there last week well normally there's no poisonings each week so i thought normally, I'd mix it up. yes there's no point oh yeah i was gonna say i thought mm, you threw me on that <laughs> one. um not that i not that i've noticed i must admit i must admit but then i haven't been peeping in through people's windows and such like well there's always yes. next week but uh and assuming no poisonings this week no none of those either none of those no naked people or poisoning <sighs> no naked poisonings God damn it. Things are getting back to normal. <laughs> it's, it's been a very dull week. But we're here. We're ready. It's it's the highlight of the week for everyone. The new episode of Poisonous Cabinet coming out. So, Nick, are you ready to drink cocktails and talk about poison? Yeah, go on then. Or drink poison and talk about cocktails? Nope. Nope. Fine. Good. No, I've already got a gin and tonic on the go, so I'm way ahead of the drinking cocktails. <laughs> I know, I I have a very sad glass of water. I can't wait to get the cocktail. This is this is a rosé in the garden day, isn't it? It's like chilled. <laughs> it truly is. Nope, yeah. none of that. I, I'm, you're going to need to drink soon as well. And it's great because it's your story this week, Nick, so I can drink as much as I like. <laughs> hey. does, does it stop you if it's your story, drinking as much as you like? No. No, I didn't think so. <laughs> I just lie. So it is your story this, Nick, 
this Nick week. This, this Nick, Nick week. week. It is Nick, Nick week. Uh, it is your story this week, Nick. Yes. And very excited. I've no idea what's coming. But, but we do know that we have our secret ingredient uh, to use in the cocktail that is inspired by this week's story. So let's start with our drinks. Let's get on that because Sinead's gasping. Our secret <laughs> ingredient this week, Nick, was... Honey. 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 Yes. Now a proper ingredient as well. Oh, well, yes, indeed. It's a nice, uh, you're showing me up from all of my um, love and um, feathers. You know it, 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 came, it came so close to me having to do a random abstract ingredient. And I was like, I can't, I can't. The amount of shit I've given Sinead over this for the past couple of weeks, I can't do it, I can't do it. And then it was like, ah, there's some honey! <laughs> so it was very oh, honey, exciting. Honey in a cocktail, this is exciting. Yeah. Natural, and natural it's actually sweetness. A, it's a cocktail that I have come across, I've never made before, but I've come across it before. And they're always thinking, ooh, I need to make that. That sounds really nice. When um, you say you've come across it before, is in you've had it or you found it in the street? No, I've, 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 seen, seen, I've, I've seen it in books and things. I've read about it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and it's come up on, because I watch a lot of cocktail YouTube tutorials and stuff like that. And it's one that I've seen people make and say it's very nice. And I've seen it on menus in cocktail places and stuff, but I've never had it myself. Yeah. Um, yes, I think honey's a great ingredient. Oh, I'm excited about this. I do like that. Sorry, I laugh so much because the idea of you saying, I've read of it in books and heard it in song and tale. <laughs> I read it in a story. It was in a story once. Good oh, good. Story. Okay, so honey, secret ingredient. What is the cocktail we'll be making this week? It's called a bee's knees. A bee's knees. Bees Adorable. Knees. Good name. Ooh. Good name. So, well. bee's knees. There's, so, we know there's honey in it. Yep. And then some other stuff stuff that you have devised well actually it was a classic cocktail though isn't it it's, yeah absolutely it's, yeah no Ooh. no no interpretation or devising required it's straight out of a out of difference nick has sent me the ingredients uh we're going to go away to our isolation kitchens and shake up a storm we will see you in a minute see you in a bit and we're back hello Bee's knees, a honey-hued cocktail we have in front it of is us. A, it's a lovely, lovely colour. It's I a like very nice colour. So I just hope it tastes as good. Well, we hope so. I, it's, it, it kills me every time I bring this cocktail back to recording, not to take a tiny, tiny sip beforehand. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't. Nope. I, I, nope. I don't. I don't. So Not talk loud. us through the ingredients. Um, so what's your honey? We have honey. Either honey syrup, if you can be asked to make it, or there is a method to just using honey in it. Um, then gin which is your main spirit uh lemon juice and a drop of orange now i think the orange juice is quite a modern addition yeah but everyone but from what i, what I read it seems to enhance it i've not tried it without but there seems to be the recommendation is to use the little bit of orange juice delicious and i've done um i've done freshly squeezed orange juice because i did i just bought well, a bunch of orange juice fancy well i just it just tastes nicer and it did say i had oranges <laughs> excuse to have oranges in the house i never eat oranges now i have some now oh, it's nice yeah, well, um, i had to use orange squash so no you didn't <laughs> no i didn't oh god <laughs> <laughs> I was like, throw it away, Nick. Um, it does actually sound like um, something you would have with a cold. I was, I was thinking that. It does sound quite medicinal. Yes, honey and lemon. Honey and, and lemon. And gin, thing. obviously. Gin cures all ills. But let's dive in and give, give it a, it a taste. Mm, give it a go. Bees knees. Cheers. Oh, that's very pleasant. Ooh, that is nice. That's nice. That is lovely. Really nice. It's really clean and refreshing. It really is. 
is. Yeah. It's. I was thinking with the honey syrup, again, when we've had syrups and sugar syrups, I don't always use them, that it's going to be overly sweet. I thought sweet. it might be a bit cloying or something like that, or a bit heavy, but it's really Claggy really not. kind of feel. But with, yeah. the, with the lemon, with the gin, compliments it beautifully. Oh, it's really smooth. Really, really smooth. Good. Oh, this is going to go down well. <laughs> hey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sip, have, this sip. is going in the book of ones to remake. Well, I'm going to have to make myself a bottle of honey syrup now rather than just rely <laughs> on. Bee's Knees, aptly named. Wonderful Bees cocktail. Knees, yeah. Refreshing, cooling. Good cocktail. So we have our like it. cocktails firmly in hand. Nick, yes. it's time for your story. You're going to take us on a journey. Oh, I, I should hope so. Um, I'm ready for it. Let us fly like a bee. Yeah. So I think it's quite an exciting story. You would hope so. <laughs> well, it's, it's one that I had not heard of before. It's one that I had not heard of and just my random Googling of murderers. I mean, other, other people may go, yeah, obviously I know that one. <laughs> Today, we are going to tell you the tale of Mary Bateman. Mary Bateman? Mary Bateman, the Yorkshire witch. Whoa. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Witches. <laughs> Yes. Yep. <laughs> so anyone who's heard um, our podcast to date knows anything witchy. Witchy, we love it. We are here for it. We are here for it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, she really does give witches a bad name. Um, <laughs> she is a thoroughly horrible woman. Oh, tell us why. Why? Who is she? And why? And where? And how? That was unnecessary. <laughs> or was it very necessary, Nick? Let the people no, decide. No, so she was born in Yorkshire in 1768. Her father was a farmer. Um, and although not wealthy, he and his wife, they were well respected and liked in the area. They lived in a village, had a little farm. Perfectly pleasant people, working class, salt of the earth type folk. Idyllic, um, lovely. Yorkshire, very beautiful county, by the uh, way. Anyone who's never visited precisely. Yorkshire. I mean, Kent is better, obviously, but uh, <laughs> Yorkshire. But even at a young age, Mary was, was troublesome. And she quickly developed a bit of a reputation in the local surroundings as a thief <gasps> and, a, and a liar. You don't want those two together. No, not at all. It's not a good combination. No. Um, her parents tried to stop her and get her to, to change her change her ways. Uh, but Mary found it far easier just to take what she wanted and rather than bother asking for it and risk being told no. How old? Well, she was about 11, 12 years old at this point. Mm. So, which is uh, for a child of 11, 12 years old, thinking, is that desperately unusual? Pushing the boundaries of society, starting to learn yeah. about that. Uh, yes, a psychological kind of development. See, I was, think I was thinking, uh, 11, 12 years old, does that happen with children anyway? Are they trying to push those boundaries and things? I don't know. I don't have kids. Um, <laughs> but then I was also thinking that this is a time where at 11 and 12 years old, she would have been working. Of course, yes. Not, we, I don't think we can give modern equivalents of kids today to kids back then because she would have grown up so much faster this is a very good point yes <laughs> we can't think oh she was um, just out with moonbeams and penny whistles no she was probably been working for five years exactly yes but yes she was getting this reputation yeah a bit of a, of a thief her parents were really having enough of it she was starting to say get a get a reputation and it was very badly on them until this point they've been held in really good standing mm. but now their daughter was this nerdy well um who was causing chaos and just being a complete tear away. So she was sent sent away. Oh. In 1780, she was sent to work as a domestic servant, um, which again, I don't think is something particularly uncommon for a sort of yeah. working class girl to go and become a, a scullery maid. 
It's quite a Somewhere good career change for a lot of well, people. Getting into service was uh, was quite coveted at, at different points, mm. you know, because then you could work your way up in the ranks and you would have room and board and benefit from a, well, just a lovely, a, a much nicer lo- environment than you'd had down on the farm. I think that was what the hope, that sort of employment and a more of a routine and things would help her mend her ways but it was unfortunately not not to be quite major sort of kleptomania had taken over mary he just loved to nick stuff but unfortunately to go alongside with that she didn't seem to be very good at it because she kept getting caught <laughs> so... right was she just standing in front of people <laughs> potentially taking their watches while they were standing yeah. there just like putting them in her pockets making eye contact the entire time so I don't think she was that good. Her thievery cost her job after job after job. And she was fired from one position and she went to the next village along and she got another position. Um, Soon enough, she was nicking stuff from there and she got found out and she was fired. And it went on and on and on for a good few years. Sticky fingers. I'll put big house. I'll put put big house. Are are we going to have some uh, wonderful Yorkshire accents? We're really not, no, because that would be terrible. Um, (laughs) And people will hunt me down. As if you were a witch, as if ironically. I was, as if I was a witch. I know there has been a clamouring for my accents because my French ones are so good. <laughs> we have had literally one letter. <laughs> Asking me to redo my French accent. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do have quite good reactions to, you, to your accents. So with her local options getting more and more limited, in 1787, Mary moves to Leeds. So Leeds. a huge metropolis of manufacturing, thousands mm. of people coming and going every day here no one knew who she was she had no reputation at all she was just one of many many countryside young women who were coming in to try and make a better life through a friend of her mother's she found work as a seamstress but unfortunately she didn't turn out to be that great at the sewing either she was passable but not brilliant so she was only allowed to work on the the clothing for sort of the lower classes Right. So she, how, how yeah, so bad she, do you have to be to just well, I th- I, have I think someone her, downgrade you? Her her stitching wasn't particularly neat because um, oh. everything was done by hand. So her stitching was quite sloppy. So it would on a big fancy ball gown or something like that it would probably have been quite obvious. <laughs> um, and you're spending a lot of money on fabrics and things. You don't want someone to fuck it up. Fair enough. So she was left to work on sort of the the servants' clothes and maids' clothes and things like that. And unfortunately, it didn't bring in a lot of money. But what it did do is it introduced her to a lot of the sort of servant girls and maids who were to become her future clients. Ah, Drama, drama, drama. At at this time, so we're talking sort of late 17th century, so late 18th century, there was a bit of a precedent of women who had come in from the, the countryside who set themselves up as soothsayers and fortune tellers they sort of supposedly had a connection with the ancient rural folk traditions of the countryside that sort of gave them their abilities and their and their skills and these had all been forgotten about in the cities and things the cities were industrial and modern and they had no time for such frivolities and things for trees and and that sort of stuff now but these women who came in for the countryside they still had that connection to the sort of more natural world and this appealed to mary greatly um i mean she was from the countryside she could appear mysterious She could put on a funny voice, <laughs> and she had no issue lying to people's faces. And she could make she could make her own cloak of which she could waft. She could make her city. own costume, absolutely. <laughs> and it wasn't that good, so he looked a bit like, "Oh, I've been in the hedge," sort of thing. So she's a shit witch. <laughs> perfect for me. So she set up a little sideline. Um, so whilst continues continuing to work as a seamstress she told fortunes she brewed love potions and she removed sort of evil curses 
from gullible servants and sometimes even their employers who were some of them a bit more susceptible to the the old traditions than they might let on in polite society and she was happy to take coin from anyone really anyone who wanted their fortune told she she was good for it was there was this around the time there was a bit of a chic i mean it, it continued for quite a while but there was always a little bit of a chic in high society for mediums and seances in the big houses we're 18th century now so i think that became much more sort of 19th century that's a more occultism yes. type thing really really kicked mm. off um but yeah we're, we're a bit bit early for that phenomenon. so still whisperings in the background rather than a public thing exactly at the at the moment we're still very much sort of folky traditions wise woman living in a ditch sort of (laughs) but also some of the the women of high society as well they they were relying on doctors a lot of the time a lot of whom were quacks even the people in the city oh absolutely um so if they had ailments or they had problems particularly around pregnancy or trying to have a baby or protect their children they were known to secretly go off to wise women and say please give me this this little treatment and yeah they were being sold down the river anyway but they were relying on anything because no one knew what they were doing apparently at the time And, and that is exactly what we will come on to shortly there's so in 1792 and she was 24 years old she was still working as a seamstress and carrying on with her soothsaying on the side she meets a man called john bateman and after only three weeks they're married lovely she's quite a speedy courtship uh, in in today's the time well, i think even then three 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 weeks mm, i don't know um, it's a, to my mind it seems very speedy and either john didn't mind his new wife's sideline or he just wasn't aware of it it's probably in three weeks. You can't get to know someone that well, <laughs> I suppose. So perhaps he was completely unaware of... I think there's a lot of catfishes and Tinder people out there who will disagree with you. and just kind of, <laughs> I know them. I've, I've had one date with them and yet I know their soul. And I know we're specifically <laughs> well, together. Well, that could well be it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he, he wasn't to remain in the dark for, for too much longer. Yeah, so they married and they moved into a little house... <laughs> Really, but I'm trying to think what it's called. It's it's not like a, a hovel, but I, yes, I think a hovel might be a bit too harsh for it. But I think it would just would have been a room, like people lived in in one room with a shared sort of outhouse and things like that. So anyway, they moved into this studio flat. Studio mm. flat, a nice bed set, <laughs> and they had a neighbour who earned his living and supported his family with his horse and cart deliveries and such like up and down the street. Obviously, not a wealthy man. One day, he unfortunately dies. No suspicion of anything, any foul play or anything, but he does pass pass away, leaving a widow and four children. Oh, dear. Mary persuades the widow that the eldest child, who she was a stepmother to, was going to sell all of his father's property and mm. use the money for himself. He was going to leg it with all the this money. And to, to prevent this, Mary persuades the widow that she should sell everything first. Oh. Take, take her fair share of the inheritance or the proceeds, and then go. Go back to her parents, leave the city of Leeds, but give her, give Mary, the children's share, and then she will distribute it amongst the, the remaining uh... four four children um i mean the widow takes mary's advice and think, well thank you very much you've really <laughs> saved me that i could be absolutely screwed if the eldest son had done a bunk with all this money i would be fucked so she takes the advice <laughs> so she she's the stepmother to the children she's a stepmother to this to the fair children, enough yes. she's not the mother she, she's the stepmother and thinking that well probably all the father's possessions are going to go to his eldest son mm. the, the widow liquidates everything sells everything takes what she thinks is a fair share for herself and leaves the rest with mary to be distributed amongst the children trusting woman very trusting woman, very foolish woman mary takes the lot 
The four kids end up in the workhouse. Oh. The, the four kids don't see a penny of this of this money. Mary's Shocking. pocketed the lot. So I'd like to tell you what sort of person she, she actually is. I mean, it's not surprising that's the way it's going to go. I don't think anything that was building up to this, she was going to suddenly change her heart and go, I shall take on these four children and be a mother. That is what's been missing from my life. Yeah, I mean, there's another story that tells that after there was a large factory fire in Leeds, that one of the walls collapses and a number of workers are unfortunately killed. Mary goes round door to door asking for donations to help these <gasps> poor bereaved families um, oh. and people give her they do not necessarily money but clothing or food or whatever they can spare to in fact help these poor bereaved family of course mary pockets the lot herself no! oh she evil these, these donations oh um, she didn't have any id or anything that's why you always ask <laughs> the people who come to the door you need id i mean there are loads of these stories i've got one more i have to tell you because it just, it's just brilliant but there okay, are so many so they say in another one of her scams she witnesses a relatively posh chap at the butchers and this chap is buying a, a leg of mutton <laughs> for his tea one would assume and he says to the the butcher fetch me a boy and send the boy with the mutton to my home Sort of thing. I'm not carrying the mutton back to my house. So get a boy to send and then the cook will prepare it for me. Slight interlude. That needs to happen more often these days. <laughs> I want boys to bring my meat to my house. <laughs> Can we just do that now? Actually, after lockdown, the first time I go into a butcher's and order loads of meat and then just go, have the boy bring it to my home. Oh, yes. like, no, we don't do that. No, fetch a boy and out in the street. A sixpence for him. There we are. So, I mean, Mary hears this conversation going on. The butcher says, yeah, absolutely, sir. And quick as a flash, she got, ha ha, I have a plan. She races ahead. She knows the route that this boy is going to take um, and gets ahead of the a bridge that he, she knows he's got to cross. Okay. Um, when she sees him coming across the bridge with this mutton lamb, she starts running towards him. Where have you been? What are you doing? Where's that mutton? Um, <laughs> pretending to be a servant, one of the maids of this gentleman, and really gives the boy what for, saying, you're so bloody late, where's this mutton? Clips him round the ear, sends him on his way, takes this mutton and goes, oh, I'm going to take it from here, I'll take it home. Boy goes on his way, she off she goes, and I like a mutton, takes it home. <laughs> Mary is a criminal genius. It's, it's a genius This is plan. amazing. <laughs> These are things that are scarily stuff that you could go, That we could do that now. I, I, we could we could we could just pretend to be a servant and for a house yeah. delivery we could do that when the guy comes so, and delivers the wine at your house i could just run i could just run around the corner going where have you been nick needs his <laughs> wine i shall take it all i mean it's quite ingenious and say so there's a list of these scams that she she pulls on people and yeah they really are quite ingenious but within two months of the marriage things are getting really quite fraught in mm. leeds People are starting to cotton on that Mary, she's perhaps not so nice. She's getting a bit of a reputation. So no one's getting their mutton. No one's getting their mutton. Absolutely. John and Mary flee. Flee Leeds. They run from the city. They go far. They're still in Yorkshire in some of the villages surrounding. I mean, obviously, news doesn't travel far in these this day and age. So um, you don't have to go far to become completely unknown. But wherever they go, Mary can't help but set herself up as this fortune teller, this provider of charms and potions, and this fraudster. And each time they are forced to flee anew as her gullible clients become suspicious, or she runs out of people to fleece. <laughs> uh, finally, John comes to see who the woman is that he's 
he's married um and to escape he joins the army <laughs> so he goes i can't be i can't be dealing with this anymore she's an absolute nutter um i'm gonna join the army did he just join the army or was this just oh, oh he just drawing conclusions here no 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 he joined the army he joined the he joined the local militia i'd rather die on the battlefield yeah, that's what the books that's what the books say maybe that's what he says it is enlistment it's actually written on his form yes he needs crazy, to get away crazy, wife. crazy crazy witch wife <laughs> she's a witch i say now there's a a part of this tale that I'm struggling to sort of get my head straight around this. I mean, during Mary's many years of sort of pretend mediumship and witchly skills, she's built up this really quite a reputation and earned herself the name the Yorkshire Witch. And people Mm. sought her out. But what I don't really understand is that if she was having to move so frequently, she can't have been that good at it. (laughs) And if so, where this this reputation sort of comes from. That's a good point. How does that work? I mean, maybe we can talk about this more at the end, but... You can twist anything in those days. There's, there's no way of absolutely. Uh, you know, obviously, there's no Google, but you know, newspaper reports or anything like that. You know, everything's word of mouth, and particularly if you're into mediumship, then you can twist what you hear. And and the people who are inclined to believe that, if you're so inclined to find someone who is practicing the old ways and paganism and that is a little bit mystical, you're going to believe what you want to believe. This is one of the things that I came up with. That is that if you want to believe this stuff, you can. Forget give anything absolutely yeah there's there's a reason why that prophecy didn't come true or that charm didn't work i said it in the wrong way or the moon was in the wrong position or something there's always a reason why this stuff doesn't work and when it does work it's amazing when people discredit you or if if there are rumors oh she had to run she was accused of theft or she did this or did that you know that can be twisted no no no. she was probably just trying to survive and you're persecuting her because she's a witch we're not too far away from the actual witch trials there's these things have a way of following them around you know if you have a kind of a mystical title then people are going to seek you out they're not going to look too deeply into whether or not you're a fraudster exactly i mean at the end of 1790 at the end of the 1790s mary starts to claim that she is the agent of the legendary mrs moore Mrs. Moore is the seventh child of a seventh child um, and a powerful, powerful mystic and capable of, I think the technical term they say is screwing down, (laughs) which I knew you were going to laugh at, which is supernaturally binding. Someone who's trying to do you harm is supernaturally sort of stopping them from hurting. It's not having sex with someone below your social status. <laughs> it's, it's really not. That's that. I like that. I hadn't thought of that particular <laughs> interpretation. Yeah, if, if you really have a bad night out and you pick up someone, oh God, I really screwed down on that one. <laughs> not heard that before. And now you do. Now um, it's a thing. Yeah. So yeah, so Mrs. Moore had this reputation. We'll say whether it was a philandering husband or a really determined creditor. Mrs. Moore, not for an insubstantial fee, could ensure that you were never bothered again. And Mary claimed to be the the agent of this woman. Um, So people would go to her, go to Mary, tell her what the problem was. She would then liaise with Mrs. Moore. And Mm. then Mary would then recant Mrs. Moore's suggestion or how it was going to be resolved. And yeah, perform whatever actions needed to be done. And she carried this on for a couple of years. Mrs. Moore earned herself quite the reputation. Mrs. Moore never existed. <laughs> was Shocking. a complete work of fiction. Of course um, she didn't. Yeah, Mrs. Moore never existed. I mean, probably yeah. I'd believe it. <laughs> I mean, soon, I mean, Miss, Mrs. Moore ended up being a bit too much for um, Mary to handle. She had grown such a reputation that it was becoming really a hassle to, to, to deal with. So one day, Mrs. Moore just vanishes into the into the ether she's gone but mary wasn't left without supernatural assistance for too long and soon 
Miss Blythe. Blythe. Comes along. Dear old Miss Blythe. A psychic who could read the stars. <laughs> I mean, if anything, Miss Miss Blythe was more popular. She was perhaps a bit more approachable huh? than, than Mrs. Moore. Probably her fees were a bit more reasonable. Oh, fair enough. And people came to ask Miss Blythe, through Mary, what their futures hold. Through the stars. Yeah, pr- pretty much. Yeah, pretty much that. And Miss, yeah, I say, Miss Blythe happily provided predictions and charms and all manner of magic potions for her doting and desperate clients. I mean, it was a lucrative business for Mary, but it wasn't enough. She wanted more, as people always do when they get a little bit of power, a little bit of money. They want more. In 1803, Mary befriends three women from the Kitchen family who run a drapery shop. Now, no doubt her previous experience as a seamstress sort of gets her in with the family. And, of course, she tells them their fortunes, passed along with a fee, of course, from Miss Blythe. Mm. But then one woman falls ill. Mary is first on the scene to help nurse her back with her magic powders that have been provided by Miss Blythe. Soon all three women are dead. <laughs> they are serious magic powders. Big magic powders. Mary blames the death on cholera. Of course. And locals generally fearful of the disease and also probably slightly fearful of Mary's reputation <laughs> as well. As a terrifying witch, she has she has Miss Blythe on her side who can see the future and she's got this reputation that is probably people keep their mouth shut. When the creditors investigating the kitchen estate sort of turn up, they find the, the house and the shop stripped bare everything everything gone even the account books taken and mary nowhere to be seen three murders she's got away with it she's scarfed so dare i ask what was in the magical powder we don't know what was in the magic powders i'm assuming it's going to be an arsenic related (laughs) thing Arsenic trioxide, as we've discovered, is a, a white powder, easily soluble in food and drinks and things. So it's going to be the perfect thing to put in someone's soup or mm. gruel if they're being nursed back to back to health. We don't know, but I'd be very surprised if arsenic wasn't a major component. It would be nice um, to think, well, not nice to think, but you can imagine if she's doing this witchy way that it's herbs and it's a touch of hemlock and belladonna in there and everything. It's probably just arsenic. It's probably, oh, next door there's a chemist going out that. Um, or there's some rat <laughs> poison on the shelf in the kitchen. I bet me she seeks out the ill, the anxious and, the, and desperate and offers them magical answers to their to their problems. But just when it looks like she's picked everyone clean in her her vicinity and there's no one left she could take advantage of she starts dabbling in really apocalyptic prophecy oh jesus i mean there, there's a there's a legend that you may have heard once in a generation there's born a being who can foretell the end of the world yes and in 1805 it was the prophet hen of leeds what <laughs> i just made all that up apart from the prophet hen of leeds <laughs> I just I'd give it a dramatic interest. What? And also that beginning I... bit was a line from Buffy. So come on, you should have got that. <laughs> I didn't. I was listening. I'm going, okay, okay. Well, no, I haven't heard this, but I don't want to sound stupid. But I... Okay. It sounds kind of familiar. <laughs> but the prophet hen of Leeds. The prophet hen. Is it an yep. actual hen? It's an actual hen. Yes. Yes. It's an actual hen. <laughs> And I can't believe you've not heard of the Prophet Hen of Leeds. I can't believe I haven't either. I mean, I feel I feel ashamed. I feel ashamed. The Prophet Hen. Oh my this God! Yes, biblical hen, who is laying laying eggs inscribed with "Christ is coming" written on the eggs. It was the end of days. It's not. I mean, it's not. It's 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 not doing that. 
Is anyone taking these eggs and reading them going, Christ is coming, smash! Oh yeah, I've dropped it now, but it definitely said that. To the church! <laughs> People flocked to Mary. <laughs> I mean, aware for a reasonable penny, of you could be spared the end of times. How? What? By, by her superb, magical, mysterious ways. Would you pet the hen or something? She, oh, I don't know. She, she knew... She knew the end was coming. Only she could protect you from the monsters <laughs> she's, she's, and the end of time. But it'll cost you a penny. A penny? Well, a penny's a lot of money back then. Well, well yeah, not that much money. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, so you've come to see the magical hen. The magical, magical hen, hen. Has said, <laughs> has said the end of the world is coming. The magical hen is laying eggs saying Christ is coming. Right. <laughs> and a crazy woman is standing next to them going, for a penny, I'll tell you how to avoid I mean, all of this. If Christ is coming, you're not going to be able to avoid it. What? What? What could you... Well, I suppose you'd pay the penny. You're screwed either way, aren't you? Insurance. Just just in case, oh yeah. Oh, my God, it's amazing. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but what's, what's brilliant, I mean, she was... I mean, she went all in for this. This She, she took an egg, and in vinegar... She would write "Christ is coming" but in vinegar, because then the Ooh. vinegar sort of etched it into the egg, rather than just like with a pen or paint or something. That so would it was a bit in obvious, the wouldn't it? Then <laughs> she would t- she would take said egg <laughs> and said chicken, insert the no! egg back into oh, God. the chicken. No, and, and, and there is the, a video chicken... link, and Nick has just done a gesture, which is upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> and then the chicken would lay a magical egg. Etched with Christ is coming. I mean, one must assume the chicken was not I'm too not, happy about this. Um, screaming. <laughs> but we can hear the call of the magical hen. I, I, I just don't know how that would be possible. I don't think that the is possible. Break. Well, yeah. It's, it's, how? How? It's not possible. I don't know. Try I've shoving anything it. that has come out of a thing back in it in that way. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> Farmers... Poultry farmers out there, prove us wrong. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> no, why you would ever try to put an egg back up a chicken if you're raising it. It is not conducive to the profits you're trying to make. <laughs> oh, gee. So, so she had a chicken and she was forcing eggs up it. And then the chicken, traumatised, was laying eggs. Would lay the doom-laden eggs. Christ is coming. Imagine if she can spell as well. <laughs> It's just gobbledygook. We don't know what she's saying. Chris so, is coming. Who's Chris? Chris. <laughs> so you will not forget the Prophet Hen of Leeds anytime soon. I will soon. never forget the Prophet Hen of Leeds. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> it made me laugh when I found that. I was like, this is bloody brilliant. doing this story. <laughs> There's <sighs> not a huge amount of pointing, but it's brilliant. <laughs> There is a prophet hen. Screw it. <laughs> Second series of this <laughs> podcast will be all about prophet animals. Animals <laughs> that are used for nefarious deeds. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, 
like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So after the hen. After the hen. So the following year, we're talking 1806 now, Mary's reputation has reached the home of William and Rebecca Pergio. Um, I mean, Rebecca was a very sickly woman. Um, she had complained of a flutter of her heart and she had been to the local doctor to find out what was causing this and how it could be be resolved um the doctor had claimed this was that this was beyond his his abilities to 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 deal with um an evil wish had been put upon rebecca (gasps) and the only way to sort this out is sorcery doctors there's yeah doctor doctors are you talking quack (laughs) doctor in inverted commas (laughs) Went to a man. <laughs> Went to a crazy man in a hedge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just leaning out of it. Hello, you're my three o'clock. Pretty much, yeah. So the only way to sort this out is sorcery. Is Of course. To get rid of this evil curse that has been placed upon Rebecca. So where do they turn? Where do they turn? Is it to the hen? It's not to the hen. It's not to the uh... hen. Turn to Mary. Rebecca has a niece who goes to Mary and explains the situation. Says, this is happening with my aunt. She's really unwell. Can you help? Mary says, yes, absolutely. I'm sure there's something we can do. There might be a bit of money. But if if you provide me with an article of clothing from, from Rebecca, something that had been in contact with her skin, then she will send it to Mrs. Miss Blythe, and Miss Blythe will come back with a remedy. Um, so yeah. William straight away goes, yes, absolutely. Um, this is my wife's uh, flannel petticoat. Take <laughs> this, send it to Miss Blythe, and we will do what she recommends. Miss Blythe comes back pretty much within the next few days so william is given a letter supposedly from miss by mary from from miss blythe and in it is contained the instruction um that mary is to go to the persio's house and take with her four guinea notes um that miss blythe has supplied within this letter that have been oh. magically enchanted these okay. notes have been magically enchanted to help rebecca um these notes are to be sewn into the four corners of the mattress and left there for two years and that will help alleviate the symptoms and remove the the evil curse Uh and mary should be recompensed for these four guinea notes that miss blythe has supplied so william should just 
give her four guineas to replace the four guineas that Miss Blythe has magically enchanted. So the the Perigos, they agree. They say, yes, absolutely. Mary goes to the house and she makes a great show of stitching these four notes into little silk bags, which are then in turn stitched into the mattress. And of course, of course, Mary has pocketed these notes and they're filled with newspaper. So she's got her her original four guineas in her pocket. Uh, The Perigos (laughs) have got a mattress filled with now with four corners of newspaper. And William hands over the four guineas in exchange for the four guineas that are supposedly in the mattress. I mean, how do you justify to the people that that it was magic money that was needed? Surely, I mean, it's a brilliant scheme if people are going to buy it. Yeah, money and then exchange to do the old, you know, slipperoo. Surely it would be something more pagany. Why was no one questioning this? I mean, see, I hate to use the word stupid. But... The Perichos were incredibly gullible. <laughs> they they fell for stuff that even then you believe stuff. Science wasn't a thing. It was magic. Mm. But even for people of that era, I think they were particularly <laughs> naive, potentially. I mean, about a fortnight later, William receives another letter from Miss Blythe recommending that two horseshoes should be nailed near the bed. Oh, yes. But not, yes. not using a hammer. They should use pincers. Which are you black, black like a pliers, blacksmith tools yeah. to make them. But they should use those to have, to bang in the horseshoe, um, and then uh, those pincers okay. should be supplied to Miss. They sent to Miss Blythe for oh. whatever reason. Mary needs a new set of pincers. Um, <laughs> With pincers, elaborate. That's ridiculous. I, I just, make it seem more mystical. Oh, you can't use a hammer. You have to use the pincers that were used to make the horseshoe. There is, um, there is a bit of folklore about. Obviously, horseshoes. Everyone knows about horseshoes, yeah, horseshoes above yes. the door. Horseshoes must be upright, never inverted, and things. Um, and there is, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there is something about a blacksmith's using blacksmith's tools or blacksmith's particular nails that came from mm. them had something to do with the horseshoe and some sort of luck and pagan it was as vague as that it's as vague as that so, whatever it is there were there was some there was something there that the perigos thought yes that seems like a reasonable request i'll do that and the pincers get sent off to to mary i mean during the research for this there are so many letters and you've actually got full transcripts <laughs> of the letters and they are they are brilliant in their just their audacity that this <laughs> this woman has. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go through a couple, but by no means I can't go through all of them. Just there just isn't the time. But one of them which is brilliant is that uh, my dear friend says Miss Blythe, you must go down to Mary Bateman's at Leeds on Tuesday next and carry two guinea notes with you and give the, her them. Sure. She will then give you the other two that I have sent her from Scarborough, and you must buy me a small cheese, <laughs> about six or eight pound weight. And it must be of your buying, for is it, it is for a particular use. And it is to be carried down to Mary Bateman's, and she will send it to me by the coach. This letter is to be burned when you have done reading it. <laughs> so she had a fancying for some cheese. Is this from you? <laughs> it, could, it could have been. It yeah. could well have been from me. <laughs> she just wanted she some just cheese. She just wanted some cheese. <laughs> and the cheese had to be sent by coach as well, yeah. you know, not just by a boy. And there, there's another one. <laughs> The second, the, I won't do any more than this go one. On, go, on, um, go on, go on, go on, go on. My dear friends, I will be obliged to you if you will let me have half a dozen of your china, three silver spoons, half a pound of tea, two pounds of loaf sugar, and a tea canister to put the tea in, or else it will not do. <laughs> I durst not drink out of my own china. You must burn this with a candle. <laughs> so she's just doing her weekly shop through these yeah, people. <laughs> it is. 
I need some tea and some china and some cheese to go yeah. with it. I love it. This this letter must be destroyed. <laughs> this letter must be burned with a candle. It wasn't, <laughs> though. They didn't, clearly. Well, no, apparently, apparently not. Um, I mean, and there are loads of these. There's. Oh, I want to hear more. Just, maybe, maybe, okay, just... maybe bonus episode someday. Let's read all of her shitty letters. <laughs> just, just, a, a, just as ridiculous as the next. There's the last one. Okay. Is that in one she asks for a camp bed and bedding, but helpfully she states they don't need to buy the best feathers. Common feathers will do. <laughs> oh, to live in an age when you can specify the feathers that you want. Absolutely. But don't don't worry about the best ones. Not the best ones. So whatever little money you have. That'll be taken advantage. Whatever feathers are about your person. I mean, with every exchange of goods, Mary arrives with more and more charms and packets that be show that should be sewn into clothing and placed around the house always with the strict instruction that they should never be opened i mean by yeah. this point the mattress must be about four foot in the air by now the amount of <laughs> crap that's underneath it but it's then the theatricality of it isn't it absolutely. the element of theater behind any of these stories as long as you can sell it and the conviction you can say the most crazy things but you can sell it with conviction yep. people will buy it if they want to believe it Yep. I mean, one day a much more chilling letter arrives from Miss Blythe. My dear friends, I am sorry to tell you, you will take an illness in the month of May next. Shit. Either, either one or both, but I think both. <laughs> but the works of God must have its course. But luckily, Miss Blythe can help. Mary supplies them with special magic powders that are to be sprinkled into a pudding and mixed in with a special pot of magic honey that she has provided. Oh, magic honey. <laughs> magic We get honey. to our secret ingredient. Magic. She sends the magic honey. She sends a magic honey. A magic pa- uh, what the hell is powders. wrong with these people? You're going they... to die next next month unless you take these powders and this magic honey the slight time before the time I said you would get ill. Oh, for God's sake. They, they are warned that on no account must anyone else sample the magical food. Nor must they consult with a doctor, as this would only make the supernatural illness worse. I mean, (laughs) we have the incredibly obedient and simple. At this point, they are lambs to a slaughter. Absolutely. Um, In 1807, Rebecca dies. But thankfully, William survives. He is desperately ill. He gets through it. He pulls through. But he is bereft and obviously heartbroken about about his wife and for a further two years he relies on miss Blythe's potions and predictions to ease him through his his loss she even asks for him to send her his wife's old clothes i mean all to help him of course i mean it just shows what a truly vile woman this is Um, just preying on the needy isn't it completely i mean finally his faith in Miss Blythe begins to begins to waver and he starts to unpick the stitches on the silk purses and packages that have been sewn into the beds and mm. into clothing and inside he finds waste paper, scrap metal, <sighs> stones um, and at long last he realises that he has been completely duped. Yes, only after um, several years. <laughs> several years and over a hundred pounds oh god which is a terrifying amount of money in thousands uh, thousands of pounds 
thousands of pounds in, in money. modern money. Yeah, tens of thousands probably. But a huge amounts of money that has been squandered by Miss Blythe. But thankfully, at long last, he is become aware of what's what's happened. He confronts Mary, but she replies that he must have opened the bags too soon. They were magical after all, and all the wondrous things that they had they were contained within would have turned to rubbish because he didn't believe strongly enough that they were that the, with the power they had. Of course, you can just say, "Ah, oh, well, it's your fault." I mean, but finally, the sky the scales have lifted, and he. He sees it, what for it truly is. He doesn't fall for it. He's having none of it. I mean, he returns the next morning with the constable, Constable Driffield. Um, he's told Driffield of what's been happening over the past years, how much money he has and possessions he's given to Mary Bateman to give to Miss Blythe. Driffield searches the, high, the house um, and finds many of the gifts and things that were meant to be passed on to Miss Blythe are sitting there in Mary's living room <laughs> and in Mary's wardrobe. And, of course. Um, and at this time, even Mary's flair and her gift of the gap just couldn't she couldn't talk away talk away out of it at long last she's been uncovered mary's trial for the murder of rebecca persia opens at york castle on the 17th of march 1809 good venue um, yeah york castle but she sticks stubbornly to to one defense deny everything of course none of it ever happened she provides a written statement where she denies the lot mm. and apart from that she says nothing except to proclaim her innocence um the whole packet, uh, the local newspaper, reports that Mary looks very plausible and very unlike someone hiding poison in her potions. What? Which I think it was so bizarre. <laughs> she doesn't. <laughs> so, she doesn't really. Are they literally going? She doesn't really look like a poisoner. She doesn't, she doesn't look, look like evil. Poison. Oh, she looks lovely in the kind of what is it? Yes. The Ted Bundy logic of like, oh no, he's so handsome, he couldn't possibly have killed her. This paper. What's What's interesting is though, it's not that they're bothered about. She just doesn't look like someone who would make potions. Making the making potions, but that's fine. Mm. It's that she doesn't look like someone who would put poison in them. No, she doesn't look like a murderer. Yeah. So, but making potions. Well, what's that murderer a bloody look like? I mean, they've got another. They, was... they cart out another witch next to her, going, "This, this old crone. She looks like one. She doesn't look like that, but she fits the mo. She doesn't have the hump." Yeah, I mean, she was said to have been seemed sedate and respectable. Oh, she's clever, but despite having a, a tongue in her head that would wheedle the devil. Oh, that's a great line. So, wheedle being a old-timey word for beguiling charming she could she could get away with what she wanted i mean witnesses started to come forward from across yorkshire to tell of the extortions and fraud at the hands of mary bateman uh, it was soon became clear that there was such this was so much bigger than the than the murder of rebecca Persio. it was so much bigger than anyone had realized it i mean as i said before there are so many examples of her horrible scams but there are so many people who are left penniless and homeless thanks to her 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 scams um, I mean, the unexpected death of the kitchen six years earlier, obviously that resurfaced and came mm. into question again. And one thing became obviously clear to everyone. Miss Blythe and Miss Moore did not exist. What? <laughs> Which I know surprises you. <gasps> but it was literally, this was the point where people realised that these were fictitious characters. Until this, they thought they were legitimate women who were living elsewhere um, and communicating with Mary. Yeah, it's only now that it comes out that they are entirely, entirely made up. A doctor analyses the, the remains of the Perigeau's honey and inside they find a corrosive supplement of mercury. Mercury! Ooh, so, bloody hell, woman. That's, that's one I don't think we've covered so far. No, um, mercury, you know, mercury! Ah. 
What do we do? We, do we need an alarm or something for Mercury? Uh, Mercury. <laughs> Uh, what, uh, what rhymes with Mercury? Or begins with yeah. an M. What's, what's Mercury, an M? Uh, a Mercury um, Mew. Okay, like yeah, let's go, let's go with that. <laughs> okay, fuck it. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, as I say, I, mean, I don't think we, we haven't covered Mercury. Well, this, this is Mercury sublimate, so it's a, it's a compound of Mercury. Uh, mercury chloride, or mercuric chloride, it was known. It's, it's a white, sort of crystalline powder. And it's relatively common in, in a lab. It was once used as a cure for syphilis. Yes. Um, until it fell out of favour because it was more deadly than the syphilis. Yeah, exactly. um, so, yeah. so they decided to stop using it. I mean, the chemo- it is self-dangerous, not just because of the mercury aspect of it, but because it is incredibly corrosive. Yeah. So as you would swallow it, it would burn all your internal organs. It would accumulate in the kidneys um, and just and build up and build up and then eventually cause kidney failure and death. Mercury, very dangerous. Yes, and, also, and then I mean, another thing they found in Mary's possession was a, was a bottle that contained a mixture of rum, oatmeal, and arsenic. Which is a, not a great cocktail, I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should try to recreate that without the arsenic. So, yep, so that's so another vial of, of poison that she, she had been perhaps using on another unsuspecting scam that we, don't, that we don't know about. I mean, the jury quickly come back with a guilty verdict. The judge declares to Mary, for crimes like yours in this world, the gates of mercy are closed. <laughs> they had such a wayward language back then. Which is brilliant. Mary is sentenced to death by, by hanging. Mary is now in the courtroom in a major panic and claims that she's pregnant. Of course, oh, pregnant, so, pregnant, pregnant, I'm pregnant, pregnant, I, I, you can't, as we you can't do. execute me. Um, at this point... There's actually a report of the ladies in the courtroom make a dash for the door. All the ladies really? in the courtroom leg it um, because they know that they're in the courtroom. They can be called upon to examine Mary <laughs> to ascertain if she is pregnant. And these are women. Some of them are witnesses. Some of them are just like, oh, I've got nothing better to do. I'll go and see what's going down down the courthouse. There's sudden a rush. She's pregnant. Everyone's like, oh, run. Yeah. Run. I don't want to see that. Oh, God. <laughs> but, I don't want to touch it. But the, the, the judge orders the doors to be barred oh, um, of the courtroom. And 12 women are sworn in as matrons. And they are given a, a separate room where they are instructed to go to take Mary and examine her to ascertain if she is in fact pregnant. But of course, I mean, none of these are medical women. No, it's, a, but it's what happened with Christina, Christiana Edmonds. Mm. Christiana Edmonds, when she said she was pregnant, they did get a, a, a bunch of women just to go through and all asset, no, she's not, no, she's not, she's definitely yeah. not. I mean, of course, I mean, heaven forbid they thought about getting a doctor in. I don't I mean, think they no should gen- get any doctors in ever at that sort of time. <laughs> I mean, the I doctor mean, would come I'm, and go, she's pregnant by sorcery. We need to put a duck in here somehow. I mean, no gentleman would want to go rummaging around there at all um, oh god so, <laughs> so hey, no, it's yes, the gentle so art of, do- of medicine <laughs> that you think you go rummaging around down there how big do you think it is i don't know <laughs> you don't want to think about it Ugh. i don't know no. <laughs> but i mean unsurprisingly the women come back from their deliberations and say no another lie from mary she is of course not pregnant the execution can would continue on the 20th of march 1809 so only three or four days after after the trial mary is led to the gallows in front of york castle um thousands have gathered to watch um many expect her to use her supernatural powers as the the hangman pulls the lever for the trapdoor to go they expect her to disappear or to escape as vapors into the into the ether of course that doesn't happen um they were very disappointed she drops 
she dies. <laughs> no miraculous escape for for Mary Bateman. Um, she is but flesh after all. She is but flesh and blood after all. Her corpse is then returned to Leeds, where two and a half thousand people had already paid three pence each to view her corpse when it returned. Um, How I mean, it was quite the festival. There were jugglers there entertaining the crowds. Wait, the inns were doing a roaring trade <laughs> um, while they were waiting for the hearse to come from York with the body. I mean, at midnight, the hearse finally arrives. The um, so they. They've been there all day. They're probably pissed out of their heads by now. Sounds like a great party. <laughs> Sounds like a great party. And all the Gorkas sort of file past, get a final view of the Yorkshire witch. That's incredible. Her body is taken to Leeds Hospital, where it is, dis- is dissected and examined by medical students. Gets even even more gruesome from now on. Her, co- her, her corpse is skinned. The skin is tanned and made into leather. The leather binds medical textbooks. No. Yep. Oh, that's... Her skin, one of which, I think it was George the Sixth, is said to have owned one of these books. I've heard of that. We've all heard of that in the folky stories yeah. and the witchy stories about, you know, books of spells or being bound in the, in the skin of witches or of dead man's skin. But used as medical books? What the hell? Medi- medical texts. Me- medical medical texts. Text. No. What? <laughs> Leftover bits of skin are sold to collectors as ghoulish souvenirs. So we, we can't we can't use this bit, this foot. We can't make a book out of that. <laughs> so cut it into like little two inch squares or whatever. Like when we go shopping for remnants and that kind of thing. Oh, we can make a pocket square out of this. And stuff, yeah. <laughs> it's, in a way, yes. <laughs> I've not I've not considered it like that, and that's somewhat disturbing. Um, <laughs> and then I mean, her skeleton is preserved and it's displayed at Leeds Medical School, where it remains to this day um, as a reminder of one of the most cunning murderers. That the area has ever seen and that is the story of mary bateman the yorkshire witch wow great story nick Brilliant what a story. story again like you flabbergasted i've never heard that story <laughs> now i'd heard so many elements of it because i knew yeah there was a woman who had been hung yes um, and her skin had been used for a book and I'd, yes. I'd heard that story somewhere before but i'd never read put all the different all of her story together. behind it yeah no, that's a fantastic story. It's that had everything. That had witches, that had poisoning. <laughs> I am here for it. When I was listening to it, there were several points where I was kind of feeling a bit... That that sort of rings a bell with some modern stuff. The con artistry behind mm. psychics and witchcraft and so forth. Now, this is not me saying that all witchcraft or anything like that is hokum. No, not at all. You know, we're, we're believers in you know the pagan arts and the pagan ways. But there's so many things in there about her being just very bright about selling these stories to very gullible people Mm. setting up her own practice and saying oh well you'll come and have a consultancy with me and there's a much bigger psychic down the road that happens now that happens now where you've got you know (laughs) the which we won't name you've got big name psychics uh, a few years ago and even now where people are calling the hotline to speak to them and they get spoken to one of their minions rather than the actual big person but you know, they'll feed it back to that person that happens and people are paying a premium mm. yes that is the case and obviously we look at this with a with a, a modern scientific eye and say you can go how the hell did you believe that in the first in the first place mm. how did the woman get away with what we would probably consider yeah very ingenious but not subtle <laughs> activities mm. in the mind of the time where absolutely this this stuff the the folklore and the fortune telling and the the potions and the charms and things these were not make believe these were these were as real to them as science is to us 
now. But the, I think it still happens now. And I think if you look at any of the oh, for sure. you know, the big name psychics, it's the same sort of principle is that people believe what they want to believe. And you have mm. people out there, people selling stadium shows, people doing, they've got their websites, they've got their books, they've got their tapes and everything like that, where they are being as theatrical saying as ludicrous stuff up on stage mm. telling people i can channel this dead person i can speak to those people and the people in the audience absolutely believe it i've been to one a friend asked me to go to a psychic stage show one of these big name people where they were going to stand on stage and channel the spirits and i went and i sat in quite a large venue and this venue was packed people around me were 100 percent. not only were they there for this person ready to believe anything that he said but if you showed the tiniest bit of skepticism they turned on you yeah absolutely so people are just vehemently ready and you're sitting there going you're not being mean you're not shouting at anything but saying this is this all conjecture this is all just circumstances is someone spinning you a yarn but the people in that audience were ready to go i, I no you, no you you're an unbeliever you need to get out you need to get out yeah if you're willing to believe then you will you will believe no matter what the evidence is presented to you if if you want to believe you'll believe yeah that's um, what's clearly happened with her which has clearly happened with her absolutely I and mean, it's one of the interesting things i know we we covered it vaguely i spoke about it vaguely when we did the patreon episode with real life ghost stories mm. is that do i believe in supernatural and stuff like that and it's like i sometimes i wish i did yeah sometimes i wish i had that belief i could remove myself and actually have yes have that belief that unshakable faith in stuff like that mm. it must be incredibly comforting um to to people especially when things are not understood and not known um it must be incredibly a comforting thing um but then you have people who just yeah just take advantage of people's hope it's a it's a bigger philosophical conversation i'm sure but it's the same thing about whether you believe in the spiritual side of stuff whether you're looking at witchcraft or folklore the pagan arts or just modern day religion and you have that sort of quiet peace about you that it's that that's lovely and, and and good on you absolutely and if you have faith in anything if you're not hurting anyone then then fine go ahead with it go for but it. <laughs> there are so many people who will exploit it and who will take your money yeah. and who will use it for their own personal gain and for their own megalomania and everything that she's everything that she did in the story i don't think there's anything in there that you probably couldn't find someone today doing a very close equivalent of i'm sure not i'm sure i think not. you Absolutely. could find that and yeah. it would be far more people than you could ever think about yeah the, the family the the oh, i wouldn't call the peugeot family but <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh but that family who just believed her and kept giving money it had kind yeah. of echoes of rasputin as well because obviously rasputin it does yes who served the the romanovs just that complete blind faith yeah absolutely and they were just he was a he he looked he looked the part he talked the talk yeah he was able to come up and give some faux bullshit answer to why their son who had hemophilia was dying and suffering and uh the tsarina was completely had faith in him and he was just spinning a yarn. But th this carried on. This carried on for ages. And Rasputin was just a complete yeah. con artist. And then died. And we will cover okay. him in another story. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. Poison involved there, too. <laughs> it's eerie. <laughs> what lessons have yeah. we learned? <laughs> None. None. <laughs> in the, the 300 years since then to, then to now, it's made bugger all difference. Evil woman. Incredibly clever. Absolutely. Incredibly. And not a single redeeming feature that I can find. God, no. At all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose you can go and visit York, go to the, the castle and see where she was tried. Go to Leeds, 
uh, and have a walk. Can you see a skeleton? Can you see it publicly? I, I think it's currently in storage now, unfortunately. So I don't think... Well, the last thing I read, which is an article from about five or six years ago, so it may have changed then, but it was it was being held in storage, so you couldn't go and publicly see it. I wonder what happened to the books as well. That's a very good point, the books actually. books of skin. I've just Googled it. I'm not going to read the whole thing now, but it, it's out there. That information is out there. <laughs> about... <laughs> go find it. Go find the skin books. So what are your thoughts on the story? What are your thoughts on witchcraft or people like this, people who are exploiting witchcraft? But as ever, come and have a chat with us on social media. Our social media handles are at The Poisonous Cabinet on Twitter, at The Poisonous Cap. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please, as ever, leave us a nice review on Apple iTunes. That's the one that gets all the ratings. Or wherever you listen to your podcasts, please rate, review. The main thing right now, though, is to share share with your friends tell your friends about it get a few more people listening to us and to any other podcast that you listen to and enjoy i would heartily recommend try a bee's knees easy oh, to yes. make stuff you have in the cupboard generally yeah honey lemon orange gin the recipe will be on social this evening make one it's well worth it and share your pictures share your pictures share your videos just 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 share, share everything with clothes on obviously so as ever we have been the people inside the poisoner's cabinet we will see you next week and remember your loved ones are trying to kill you bye